We're going to hear now uh, that Helen is going to read the story from John's Gospel of how a huge need was uh, being faced by the disciples. And uh, Jesus asks uh, Philip to do something which would seem absolutely impossible. And we'll hear what the response was and see what happened. Thank you, Helen. The reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you that you are a God who can take the smallest offering and multiply it beyond all imagining. As we look to you, that you become our vision, you become at the centre of our thoughts, may we be given that same compassion, the same capacity to live for you and to bring all that we have and all that we need to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So doing what we can. You notice how Oti in her story described an act of great love. It wasn't an act of healing. It wasn't an act that made everybody go, but it was a simple act of embracing a child in her arms and holding that child there. 
She was somebody who knew that the love of God was stronger than death. And as she held that child in prayerful love, God was doing what only God could do. She did what she could. God did the rest. And when she got home from her time, about just an hour with that family, she learnt that the child had passed away. But that child had been surrounded by the love of the family and the love of God through all that were there. It was significant that, that Oti didn't try to stay more than was right for her to stay. She said how had obligations to her training. She needed to be back to continue with the coursework that she was doing. She worked within her boundaries. She didn't try and do everything and more above what she was being asked to do. Sometimes we can feel so overwhelmed with a need that we do way beyond what is really being asked of us or we're called to do. And we can get so stressed and overburdened by things that we end up in no place at all to be of any use to anyone. We get fed up, anxious, depressed, and then we spoil the atmosphere in the family home and we make other people miserable because we've overdone it, we've got overtired and we can become people who are not ministers of grace and love or people who are showing the fruit of the Spirit. I speak from experience. <laughs> and I'm not allowing Sean to come up and say anything about that on this occasion. <laughs> but I do know people's heart in this church the people I know from this community are so passionate about doing things for others that we can overdo that which is right for us to do. I'm reminded of the story with, you know, not a story, it's sort of what happens when we get onto a flight. And so often the, uh, you know, the people who are uh, demonstrating what we should do, saying when the oxygen masks come down, you put them on your face, and we always say, and it always makes me smile, and make sure you put your face mask on first before you try and help others. And it always is a reminder to me of that principle of loving yourself enough to be able to make sure that your life and your well-being are treated as God would have you treat them before you can then help others. It's part of loving ourselves as we love our neighbour. And I believe that's a principle that is really key in all we're seeking to do in this crisis. To keep our own well-being in a place that is good and in line with God's purposes for us. In the passage that we heard from John's Gospel, chapter 6, we can see a situation where Jesus' disciples are confronted with such huge need that it is way beyond their capacity to do anything about. John writes, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? <laughs> well, I don't know whether 
Philip was very restrained in his answer here. <laughs> Whether he was just, um, or John records it in a very sort of low tone. Um, because Philip answered, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, I wonder how he said that. <laughs> I wonder what tone of voice, how he responded to Jesus. But he recognized that this was an impossible thing. But Jesus, John records, asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Do you sometimes wonder whether God is asking you to do things that are way out of your depth in order to just test where you stand in relation to God? Just to see whether you'll respond by trying to do everything in your own strength and overdoing it and making yourself ill with trying to do so much? Or do you first come to God and ask that you might be guided to do what you think and believe Jesus would have you do and to exercise trust that God can do the immeasurably more than anything we can ask or think or imagine as Paul has it in one of his great blessings. Philip therefore sees the impossible need and says, this is ridiculous, this is beyond our capacity. But John records another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Spoke up, he took initiative. He didn't just stay silent, he did something. And he could do this, this is something he could do, he could speak up. Because he noticed there was a little boy who was uh, coming towards him, and he, I don't know what the little boy was doing, but he, he just knew that he was uh, offering these loaves and, and fish. And Andrew says to Jesus, there's a boy here with five small barley loaves and two small fish, <laughs> only little ones. But how far will they go among so many? Yeah, this is an impossible need. But he has seen the potential here of a little child. And he's seen the look in this little child's eyes and he wants to honor this child. Yeah. As Jesus, he's seen Jesus honoring children. You know what it's like if you're a parent or a grandparent and uh, somebody has just, uh, just started doing sort of little drawings or putting paint on paper and they come with the painting and they, they give it to you, this big smile on their face and you say, oh, that is fantastic. I love those colors. Thank you so much. And you put it on your fridge fridge door or whatever it is and you value it so how does that make the child feel it's not a painting that's ever going to be in the national gallery but the fact is that you have honored them and God has welled up within them a sense of joy that they have created something that has brought pleasure to others Jesus loves to see that joy bubble up in people and as disciples of Jesus, we sometimes have the, we are in a position to see the potential in what other people are bringing and help them to fulfill that potential and to accept their gift. That's what Andrew did in this case. He saw the potential in somebody else and he brought it to Jesus' attention. And in my position as vicar, sometimes I have the 
the um, opportunity to do that. I'll see somebody who has a, a, a gift in embryo, somebody who has a real way with people or a real compassion with others. And I might say to them, would you like to, to visit a couple of people around? I can point you in a direction of somebody who would really appreciate these words that you might have for somebody. And they say, okay, yeah, just one or two people. And before you know it, that person started to flourish in a ministry of pastoral care and, and love to others. Or a musician who's just got a real feel for how music goes. These two boys behind me started out just as beginners with their musical gifts. But somebody saw the potential in them and gave them opportunities and raised them up and brought them to Jesus. And now Jesus has multiplied their gifts and they're serving in amazing ways. So Jesus recognizes the significance of a disciple who is seeing the potential in others. And that's what Andrew does. And he takes the bread, the offering, which that little boy gave with just a sense of wanting to give it to Jesus. And he took the bread and he blessed God. He thanked God for the provision that he'd made. And he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples to then do what they could to give it to the massive hungry crowd. That led, of course, to Jesus declaring himself to be the bread of life, the living bread that came down from heaven, who could satisfy the deeply held needs of our souls as well as our bodies. But it started with that small action, that simple thing, the offering of somebody who could do what they could do. You remember how Mother Teresa was famous for saying, we cannot do extraordinary things for God, but we can do ordinary things with extraordinary love. We can do ordinary things with extraordinary love. And as we look around us and see our world, we see our world through the lenses of the television, we hear documentaries. We see films that David Attenborough has made, for example, the recent one on the extinction of uh, so many species, a third of the world's species of plant life and insect life and birds life are, are, are heading for extinction in not very long. And we are filled with compassion. But we say, what, is, what can I do? I can't do anything in the midst of that huge need. We can either be like Philip and say, you know, what is that amongst so many? How, how, can we, how can we do anything that will really matter? Or we can be like Andrew and recognize that there's potential even in the smallest offering of a gift. We can do something small that in God's eyes can make all the difference. And we can recognize that very often it's children, it's teenagers who are leading the way. We can say there are the children here who are bringing something that I could never bring and bring them into the place of leadership and authority. 
God can do the most amazing things as we do are the little things that we can do. And the same is true as we think of what lies ahead for us as a church. You may have read in the MailChimp or the latest letter that's gone out that we are inviting every person in the church to pray and to consider whether we can give what we can give, something that will bless God and will mean that this church can continue to resource its ministry and mission in our area and beyond, support the mission partners that we have, and to ensure that the loans that we have as a church for this amazing building can be honored. On the 18th of, uh, of October, we are going to be having our annual church meeting here after the 10.30 service. The heating will be on. <laughs> we will be spending some money on our underfloor heating in spite of opening the windows. And we will be rejoicing in what God has done through so many people in such difficult circumstances. But we also want to rejoice in what God can do as we just bring what we can to him and say, Lord, would you take this gift? It's not very much, but please take it and use it to your glory in this place. Let me conclude with uh, quoting from some words that are in the letter that Arch, the archbishops, uh, the new Archbishop of York, Stephen Cotterell, and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Canterbury Justin Welby, have written to churches all over the, the, the country in the Church of England. And they say here that um, recognizing the situations that we're in. The poor, the elderly, and isolated are especially vulnerable. There will be growing nervousness about Christmas, about mental health, and many other issues that cannot be considered in this short letter. But we are called to be responsible. We're also called to resilience and prophetic speech. We have the networks long since mobilized and the partnerships to serve especially the hungry and the homeless. Our schools are a particular treasure. Isn't that interesting? It's significant for us because, as we'll hear next week, as Nigel uh, preaches on the way in which our Christians Against Poverty, our CAP networks have partnered with our local schools, to meet such huge needs in our areas, well, not to meet them, but to go some way towards responding to the need so that we can see something of God's hand at work in that. We are recognizing that we are called to be prophetic and resilient using the networks that we have and the partnerships to serve those most in need. That's what we're seeking to do as a church. But the archbishops close by saying this, most of all, we need to draw close to Christ and continue to offer the hope and stability of the gospel. It is this gospel joy, even in the darkest times, that alone can help us through this crisis, bringing hope and an eternal perspective to the very pressing trials of this moment. 
I just want to say that, as they recognize here, the first need in any serving of our community or one another is to draw close to Christ. To draw close to Christ and to place ourselves in that place where we can hear what God might be saying to us through his word, through his spirit, how he's leading us and feeding us to be people who act out of a place of knowing ourselves loved and knowing what the gospel of love can mean for others. And I think that's where Oti's roots for that act of love of just holding that child lay. Her peace and her joy and her love that overflowed in such abundance were rooted in drawing close to Christ. And that's the place for us to be as we seek to love and respond to the overwhelming needs in our society, in our own families, and indeed in our workplaces. Because we could only do what we can do. But as we place our time, ourselves, and our gifts in God's hands, he will take them and multiply them and use them in ways beyond ever anything we could imagine. Amen. Amen. So let's come to God in prayer. Just a moment to be still and to allow what uh, is on our hearts to be brought to God before we come and sing a, a responsive song, recognizing Jesus' love for us. Lord Jesus, as we place you at the center of our vision, we see one who gave everything for us. As we seek to give to others and live lives of service, may we be inspired by your example and offer whatever we can to you knowing that you accept it with love in your heart and a smile on your face. Amen. Let's stand together.